Not over you either. Welcome to the final episode of The Dig. Spencer, I'm Spencer Witt. Sam Anthony alongside of me, and that's a pretty good representation of Robert Morris Volleyball. I'm not over the fact that this team just couldn't get enough done in enough time to get themselves into the NEC tournament. Oh, that was supposed to be about the team. That was about you. Sorry. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> I figured a nice love song to open up, you know, wouldn't be bad. I'm touched. Oh, you know, I try. Trying to, trying to end on a positive note, you know, because this is, this is the last one for you and me. Yeah, last broadcast for, or last uh, podcast for us. This is the last year we'll see Robert Morris volleyball as students unless I fell out of a, or I fail a class and have to retake something. Yeah, you know, this semester's not looking hot, so I say these things, and you just never yeah. actually know. Honestly, I mean, don't put it past me. CRM and marketing analytics, that's all I'm going to say. Ooh, real, real struggle this semester I'm for me. struggling cost accounting. I don't know why. It's not even that difficult. The kid next to me is getting, like, A's, and I'm getting, like, C's, and he's just like, dude, it's not that bad. And he's, like, really nice about it. And I'm just like, come on, <laughs> come on man, I'm struggling. Uh, he's like, I need to keep my 4.0, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I can't even count to 4.0. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I won't even talk about my GPA on this show because, you know, you never know if somebody's, like, going to listen and maybe want to hire me, and then they'll be like, this kid's really not that smart. And I'll be like, no, don't say that. So we'll go back to Robert Morris Volleyball real quick here. The final weekend of the season for them, they took on St. Francis on Friday. They won that set. Or excuse me, they didn't take on St. Francis on Friday. They took on FDU on Friday. They won that set pretty convincingly. Three sets to none, 25-21, 25-15, and 25-15. Just real quick here, Erica Sullivan had the most kills. Karina Beamers for FDU had the most digs with 12. On the other side, Taylor Lord had 15 kills. Ali Yurkovic had 14 digs. And uh, Colonials, they didn't actually do that well blocking. They didn't have many blocks. Huh. The most blocks for Robert Morris was one with Maria Alfano, unless this is a mistake. I don't think so. But, but from what I remember, they won two sets in a row without even getting a block. I know the first set they won without even a block. Hey, I mean, however you're going to do it, that's, yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, I'm very happy, on a, on a side note, to see how well Taylor Lord did in her last weekend yeah someone who's had a really great career um she was a big part of that tournament run her freshman year her arden fisher leah donovan um april kravonic you know just a really great core um yeah that's that's what i have to say on that that's it's interesting that there's no there was so little blocking um especially with someone like you know again you kind of saw emma granger coming into her own in that sense and against a team like fdu you would have thought that hey you know, go out, go all out. Why not? But I'm not going to knock Robert Morris and their blocking. And with all due respect to Fairleigh Dickinson, that was a team. They first off, they did not win a game in the conference throughout the year. That was a team that you know you're a lot nicer than me because really I'm just going to say it. They, Fairleigh Dickinson sucked. They were they were awful. terrible. They were really bad, and I felt so bad. They had this girl, uh, Sophia Spiridakis. Yeah. I believe her. I, I forgot how to pronounce it. I did the broadcast for her. She was from Swickley. Had a bunch of friends come out. Oh. She hit negative 0.500 percentage. Oh. She had zero kills, five errors on oh. 10 attack attack attempts. Oh, it was it was a rough weekend for her. And, and I just felt so bad. They pulled her in the middle of the game, too. Like, they had to call. 
a substitution. It was, uh, it was rough. And her, her, her friends were sitting like behind me during the broadcast. Oh, like because you could hear them cheering the beginning. Yeah, when they announced the starters. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it was just rough, and I, I felt oh. so bad. And I mean, really, nobody on FDU was that good. Uh, Natalia Rabakova had seven kills, which I thought was pretty impressive in the middle. RMU actually kind of struggled to block her when the sets were good, but when the sets were bad, they you know, Rabakova couldn't even get the ball over. And like I said, an easy Robert Morris victory, something that. You know, they wanted to have this weekend, and then they and they did that, and they took on Sacred Heart in the last game of the season. Ah, uh, uh, just take us through it. Just take us through it, Spencer. So they lost three sets to one, uh, 25-17, 25-20, 16-25, 26-24. Robert Morris, they, they looked sloppy in that first set, and they put up a bigger fight against Sacred Heart in the last one. Or in the second one, excuse me. But it just it still was Sacred Heart who was leading that. But then they started to do really well. We talked about how they had no blocks against and FDU. a lot of blocks. They had a lot of blocks in that third set against Sacred Heart. Uh, a couple players for the Pioneers were not able to do really anything on the outsides. Alex Polk, I know, struggled. They kept blocking her big time for Sacred Heart. Uh, Gianna Scaletti also had some issues blocking in the middle. But big stat here, and just going over, Liesl Nellis for Sacred Heart. I've watched a lot of oh, wow. volleyball for Robert Morris. She, I don't know what the, I don't know what the NEC is going to do for like player of the year. I think she deserves it. She carried that team in that third set, in which they did not win, but she carried him in the fourth set. Well, too. and the stats lead to it. She's the only yeah. um, pioneer with double-digit kills. Um, I mean, <laughs> 19. That's – I don't think there was a Colonial that got 19 this year. No. Um, it was You know, Taylor Lord had some good games. She was close. But that – I mean, that is carrying a team. Yeah. I will agree with you fully. And I wasn't there for that one. But, I mean, the stats justify what you're telling me. So – but like I said, the Colonials, they did a really good job in that third set. They actually had stopped uh, Nellis a couple times, and then Sacred Heart struggled to get her back into the front row. They would set her a lot in the back row, and Robert Morse was able to pass everything up. When they weren't, when she wasn't in the front row, Robert Morse was doing well. When she was, Colonials struggled against her. And then, so you take the third set, and you're thinking you're doing pretty well. Robert Morris, they looked good on the fourth set as, as well, but... The Colonials, they were at set point 24-22. Four straight points from Sacred Heart. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. And it was it was rough. It was set point for Robert Morris in that fourth set. Four straight points for Sacred Heart, like I said. And that was the difference. And the final kill, you know, three of the – Final three of the final four points were from Liesl Nellis, and I remember watching that final set. Army they got the serve from Smallcomb for Sacred Heart. They went to Taylor Lord on the outside, and the block was there, and she tipped it, and Liesl Nellis played it. And when they, they, I even said in the broadcast before they said it to her, I was like, "They're gonna go back to Nellis to the outside." It was over right there. I mean, it was just a perfectly placed ball. She killed it hard, and that was the game. That was the, the match. Well, and you know, uh, it's something that I like to say during the broadcast one because it's a cliche thing to say, but it's true. Big-time players step up in big-time yeah. moments. And in terms of, you know, again, you're talking NEC Player of the Year, that's what an NEC Player of the Year would do. Um, 
it'll be an interesting storyline to follow come postseason for Sacred Heart. Um, did they end up with the number four seed? They I did. Believe? They were the so, four seed. So they will be taking on LIU Brooklyn. That'll be something to watch. Yeah. You know? Can Nellis herself propel that team to an upset win? I don't think so. I think LIU Brooklyn is just too good. They're the most overall impressive team. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I think you, you said it, that if Robert Morris was in the this NEC tournament, they could beat a team like LIU yeah. Brooklyn yeah, in the first I, round. I mean, first of all, they had already beat them once. We'll start there. Um, and impressively, the only if we're being honest. To beat them. Yeah. And which is so interesting that the fifth seed was the only team to beat them, not Bryant, not CCSU, not Sacred Heart. But but five and nine in conference, Robert Morris. We were talking before, and I know we're trying, we sound a little bit like homers, but I, I think it's true. Robert Morris was the best team in the last two weeks of the season, in my opinion. I, I firmly believe that – I mean, give Sacred Heart credit, too. I, they had won, I believe, six or, six or nine straight sets in a row, too. Before yeah. Robert Morris took on Sacred Heart, they won nine sets in a row. It was it was impressive, and yeah. Sacred Heart was also on the same page. The Colonials they kept going back and forth, duking it out, but Sacred Heart just took over, and the Colonials it was just too much for them. I think it's hard to. I, I wish I could see, I could have seen this Robert Moore Sacred Heart game with a postseason spot on the line. Yeah, just because of the fact that I think you would have I think it would have been a lot closer of a match. I think you know as much as you want to play well for your seniors in the last weekend. I mean, it's hard to you know, carry the same intensity when ultimately this game doesn't mean anything, especially when you go down two sets early, you know, that third set's kind of like a pride set. You play hard in that third set because you're like, look, we're not going to end this season getting swept. That's not going to happen. But I I just, I think that it would have been something I would have really liked to see. And again, it probably does make us sound like homers that we want to see that. But in terms of talking about the level of intensity and Robert Morris playing at the level they have been playing down the stretch. It it's interesting. It really is. To me, it's the most intriguing thing about this season was the fact that, you know, they were they're playing so poorly to start conference play after playing so well in non conference play. And you're just sitting there and you're wondering what's wrong. And, you know, similar to, you know, not not the women's soccer team of this year, but of last year for Robert Morris, where they had that really great stretch at the end of the season. It was just too little too late. You know, it didn't matter that they figured it out that they beat a team like LIU Brooklyn because it was too late. They had already lost too many, and they were putting themselves in the hands of others. It was exciting. I mean, heck, it gave us something to talk about. They beat LIU Brooklyn. The only team, again, got to keep emphasizing that, the only team to beat LIU Brooklyn actually, in conference correction. play this season. Ooh, yeah. was there another My loss? My apologies. Yeah, LIU Brooklyn actually lost their last game of the season to Central Connecticut. Okay, okay. CCSU, I believe, don't quote me on it, they still were fighting for the third seed. Yeah. So with it's, Sacred Heart. So, so it is It is a difference in terms of the fact that... LIU already had the one seed. Yeah. You have to wonder if they are even playing their top players, you know, stuff like that. And again, with the level of intensity. Yeah. You know, you're sitting there and your mind's on the postseason. You're thinking ahead. You're not thinking about this game. You're thinking yeah. about, you know, who you are going to play. And I believe the game against Robert Morris for LIU Brooklyn, that was either, if they won it, they either clinched any C play or clinched the one seed. Yeah, one of the I think it was the any I think it was any C play, and they didn't get it because Robert Morris beat them. So they got it next yeah. week, but still. 
So here's my question, because, you know, I, I mean, you've seen this happen. I saw it happen in the World Cup this summer. I know the World Cup's totally different than Robert Moore's volleyball, but there was, um, it was when, oh, it was between, it was two teams. I can't remember which ones at the moment, but it was the idea of is that if you lost, you ended up playing yeah. a more favorable matchup. You know, maybe, I don't know how LIU matched up against Sacred Heart, but, I mean, theoretically, maybe the other thing they, they were thinking was, hey, we would rather be playing Sacred Heart than Central Connecticut. And personally, looking at how those teams fared and the fact that, again, Sacred Heart is a little bit more one-dimensional than Central Connecticut. Yeah. You can probably scout that matchup a lot easier. Stop Nellis. Stop that's Nellis. Honest, honestly, that's, how you, that's yeah. how you scout that matchup. It's like, it's like Jessica Kovach for St. Francis women's basketball. You stop Kovach, and all of a sudden, you know, it becomes much easier to control the game. I, I mean, that would be something very interesting to see, um, you know, playing matchups, see what happens. So there, there are three, just going to look, we're looking back here at Robert Morris's season, three matches that, you know, I've have borderline nightmares about when it comes to RME volleyball. First one was September 28th against St. Francis. They lost that set three sets to one. That's a St. Francis team that, I believe coming into that, didn't win a game. Or they won. had like one or they two wins. They had one win, I yeah. think. They didn't have any conference wins. They had five wins overall the whole year, and four of them were in the NEC, and I think that was their first win in the NEC. And what does it tell you when Robert Morris plays them again, you know, two weeks ago and, and sweeps they them? crushed them, yeah. And they played, they played really well, Robert Morris, against St. Francis. That, that is crazy, though. If you look after that St. Francis-Brooklyn loss, they won – nine of their next 10 sets that's that's the best stretch of volleyball they've played all yeah. year and you know you go to sacred heart and or you play sacred heart and it's just you know the enthusiasm's kind of gone because your season's over but yeah i mean that's you're right and it starts with those games like robert morris could have afforded the losses to teams like ccsu and bryant yeah. because those were teams that were a shoe and they were a lock and ultimately you didn't have to deal with the tiebreakers, but you know you you have to beat the St. Francis's and the St. Francis Brooklyn's to be in that conversation because you know what's terrible? That win against LIU Brooklyn means nothing. Yeah, it ultimately means nothing at the end of the day. It's you just can't. A, I mean, you, you can little, carry little that trophy. That says, yeah, hey, we beat the one seed, but everybody's like, like that's matter. great because they're the one in the postseason right now, and you're the one watching them going, oh, but we could beat them. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to be just straight up. Nobody cares. Yeah. You know, and it's because they got to that point and you're, and you're right. Here's the thing. You go and you lose that first matchup to sacred heart. I mean, you lose both to sacred heart. So ultimately again, the reason, because if you beat sacred heart both times, you're in. Yeah. You know, if you go and you win some of these tighter sets and especially when to me, especially being in the NEC, it's understanding, like, when teams like Bryant and Central Connecticut come in, that's a long road trip. Yeah. And that's really hard for, again, I mean, they, they've proven it in Major League Baseball. A team like the Seattle Mariners has a harder time winning because they have to travel so much. When teams like Central Connecticut and Bryant have to go on a 10- or 11-hour bus ride to get here and then go play volleyball, and it doesn't matter if they get there the night before, that still takes its toll on the fact that it, it is a long way to travel. And you're going and you can't win any of those games. I'm not saying that they have to win or they should have won every single one of those. But the fact that they didn't go and beat Bryant or Central Connecticut, I don't think they beat them a single time. Nope. 
And I was going to mention another one of the other games that like gives me nightmares was October 20th against Bryant. They lost that three sets to two. The final set, 18-16. A point or two goes their way. We're talking about Robert Morris at, like, you know, with the with the wins later on, you expect them to like beat St. Francis, beat FDU, stuff like that. And then if you had beaten LIU Brooklyn too, they're the five seed knocking on the door of Sacred Heart. Yeah. I mean Including well, I would say I would say that weekend or the two games in a row, Bryant and St. Francis Brooklyn, they lost both of those in five sets. Fifteen twelve was the one for St. Francis Brooklyn. Eighteen sixteen was the one for Bryant. If they win both of those games, yeah. That that Sacred Heart game is play to make the tournament. I mean, just imagine that, too. And here's the other thing with that. Not only is that to play to get in, you're talking about Robert Morris riding a five-match yeah. win streak into a game that would determine who gets the final spot. At home. Yeah. I mean, it just it completely changes the dynamic. And that was the thing with this season, was that none of those... And it's I, I find it sort of ironic that they came into conference play with the nickname the Cardiac Colonials. And they won none of their five set matches. They couldn't pull any of them out. In conference play. In conference play. But that's what I'm saying. Is like you come in and you're like, oh, it's the Cardiac Colonials. Like they, you know, they came back on Houston. And yeah. are we going to do one more Houston yes, check, we by are. the way? I got to do that. All right. Look um, that up real quick. Because, you know, and I'll just keep going while you, while you look that up, yeah. Spencer. It's to me, I, it is. It's like the ultimate irony that, you know, this team. Was I mean they were projected to finish third in the conference. They come out and they play really well in conference play. And for typical, you know Robert Morris, because you usually play up a lot, you don't expect the team to do so well in non-conference play. So the fact that Robert Morris they came out despite starting, you know, they lost their first six. But you're talking about playing teams like Virginia Tech and Middle Tennessee and Western Carolina. You know, bigger schools. You know, in better conferences. You go, and you go, and you beat a Penn State, or a Kent State, sorry, not Penn State. That would have been ridiculous. Um, you go beat UMBC at UMBC. You go beat Loyola, uh, Maryland. And three straight wins there. You go, and you dominate Youngstown State. You go, and you beat Eastern Michigan. You beat Houston. You know, you battle in a kind of game where you were pretty much worn out when you played Purdue-Fort Wayne. Yeah. But they ended conference play so hot. And it was one of those things where you're like, all right, they've they've figured it out. Let's go. And it, it seems like they ended non-conference and conference play in the same way. In the same way. Yeah. And it was just everything else was just lackluster for a better yeah. term. And again, too little, too late. It's one of those things where if they if they had figured it out, what about a week and a half sooner? Yeah. We wouldn't be talking about how disappointing it is. We would have been talking about how incredibly exciting yeah. that down. Because I I remember our freshman year, Spencer, back in 2015, when they won. I believe it was six or seven straight at the end of the season. Because I remember sitting there with Robert Morris. I think they were like three and four, or four and four, or something like that. And you're sitting there and you're like, oh man, like they're done. Like they've already lost too many in conference. And then they put together this stretch, and. Again, you're sitting here now, and you're like, wow, this team. I mean, Emma Granger in that last game with nine blocks. I mean, between her and Taylor Lord playing out of their minds down the stretch, I, I mean, it's so disappointing because it just seemed like if they had pulled it together and made the postseason, that they would have been hot enough to go make a run. And I so. agree, honestly. I, I we, We're not trying to sound, you know, Homer again when I say it, but, like, I personally do believe Robert Morris – was if if not the best the top two 
teams that those past like last two weeks yeah hey man you want me to sound not like a homer we can talk about that women's basketball game last night but that's beside that's the point a different subject so let's let's go to this houston counter you you know, this is the last time we get to do it, it. it is the last time for the Are, is counter. their season done they're not they have one more weekend left okay or they have one more weekend and they play on wednesday they play the they play the day before thanksgiving that's kind of awful especially because their season's already over but they and yeah and you don't want to i'm not going to bring up who they play because the top team if you're wondering um so they're currently with a record of they're still over 500 16 and 14 they're three and 12 in the conference oh they got three wins they did win this past weekend they beat uh wichita state is that a good win do we know wichita state's middle of the conference they're okay that's a decent win they're seven and eight overall literally i think smack dab in the middle all right all right um that's Two of their three wins in the conference were Wichita State. They beat them earlier in the season, too. Ooh. Well, hey, you know, like, <laughs> I guess, you know, at least there's, like, it, it's another one of those little victories where you're like, well, at least we swept Wichita State. It's just it's just crazy that that team was – I mean, we talk about the struggles of RMU, but that's, that's a big struggle right there. Yeah. So they got a couple games left. They play uh, on Friday – Against USF, who is eight and seven overall in the conference, so should be interesting for that one. Then they play November eighteenth, UCF, who is fifteen and zero in the conference, twenty four and three overall. It's not looking pretty for them, but wow, UCF athletics are really good. Can I just say that? Yeah, they're phenomenal. National football champions, right? That's what I'm saying. Don't don't call, actually call me on that. Yeah, I don't care about Alabama. But I mean, hey, we we talked about it before. We didn't expect RMU to beat. LIU Brooklyn and look at that they did that's true hey man if Houston all right if Houston beats UCF I'm declaring Robert Morris national champions all right that's that's a, <laughs> that's a hot take right there <laughs> that's that's the hottest take I've ever given so they got UCF and then the last game of the season is Wednesday November 21st they take on SMU and that's the final game of the season they will not make the playoffs for women for the American Athletic Conference they are guaranteed out. So just just some thoughts there, and that's that's our last segment for Houston volleyball. It's been a good good run. I think so too. So how much time we got left? Like six minutes? S- yeah, we have seven minutes. Six so minutes. I wanna so the last thing I wanna do, since we can't predict anything. Yeah. Let's take a look at the stats. I, who do you th- in your opinion, I want player of the year for Robert Morris. Who was your who was your MVP? Taylor Lord. To me, it was Emma Granger. Ooh. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that I think what makes Actually, Taylor no, Lord, I would agree. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to put it like this, though. Emma Granger was the best, the MVP, most valuable player. Taylor Lord was the most consistent. Yes. And she was consistently good, but the flashes that Emma Granger had... Were greater. Were greater. Yeah, yes. I would agree. But, I mean, again, don't knock taylor lord her senior year phenomenal senior year see i'm gonna i'm gonna take what you said and kind of twist it in a different way in terms of the best performing player if you're if you're determining value just simply based on performance alone it's emma granger if you're looking at value in terms of again what she provided in terms of a veteran role coming in in key moments to make big plays um and again being consistent is huge for again players like emma granger who are still who are are clearly the most talented. I mean, she's the the absolute raw talent of this team is incredible. But you need someone like Taylor Lord who when those players aren't playing to their fullest potential is still consistent. 
so that the pressure is not because again if you don't have a taylor lord all we're talking about every week when we come on the show is either how great emma granger was or how bad she was and that's why they didn't win when you have a player like taylor lord it takes that pressure off yeah and here's the thing she's gone now but emma granger is a junior next year yeah. so arguably it's now her role and it's the role of all those other sophomores on that team to kind of take over that role there's a maturity there's a maturity in the sense that you know they've all seen a lot of playing time they know what this NEC environment is like. So next year, when they go play the LIU Brooklyn's, when they go play in that new event center, which, by the way, I think will be a huge difference. That's exciting. I think it's going to be a huge difference I, in terms of the energy and the atmosphere. I think every fall team that plays in there is going to play a little bit better. I've talked to players for RMU, and I'll give my own you know, personal opinion on it, too, playing volleyball in that rec center. It's, it's one of the worst, with all due respect. Lighting, it's, right? It's, the lighting is awful. First off, the ball is white, okay? Yeah. And all the lights above are that you know fluorescent white, but it's also a white ceiling. Too. Yeah, that too. So it's so difficult to track the ball down. They, I, people on the uh, RMU team have said it's one of the hardest places to play in NEC because yeah. it's because it wasn't so designed difficult. for it. They try and use it to their advantage in the sense that like they practice there every day, stuff like that. But again, they it they doesn't make sometimes it any have issues easy. too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that that new that new building, the atmosphere, people wanting to go. Not only just watch the volleyball, but to see the new event center yeah. will be nice too. And I, I think the players that you're going to see coming in again, players like Emma Granger came in because there was the promise of this new event center. Yeah. You're going to bring in better talent. I'm excited yeah. to see the freshman classes that they bring in, not just for that, but for basketball, for all that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's exciting. I think that it, personally, you know, maybe, maybe I do just fail a couple courses, come back next year <laughs> because. I, I'm a little disappointed that I'm not going to be yeah. here. I think I'm excited. Yeah. I really am. Um, the big thing, though, Robert Morris, they lost three seniors this year. Uh, Taylor Lord, Ali Yurkovich, who has been a great libero, played all four years in libero. Yeah. Incredible, incredible player. They're going to miss her a little bit. But I think that or the last player also being Liz Campbell, an opposite hitter who had some injuries too and started as a setter. That's, yeah. So, Isn't you know, that interesting? The transition in positions is also kind of interesting, too. But the upside is the players for Robert Morris, I saw it and I mentioned in the broadcast, too. This will be the last, barring any transfers, the last senior day for Dale Starr for at least another two years because there's no juniors on their roster this Isn't year. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Wow. So everybody will be playing. <laughs> so unless they have a transfer, like I said, everybody will be playing at least two more years I think that we'll see players like Lawn Dot, Saryanovic step up on Alfano. the outside. We'll see players like Alfano and Granger in the middle, and we'll see even – I was impressed with uh, Emily Devlin on the opposite side. Yeah. I think that she'll do a great job there. Um, Libero should be interesting. I think either Zanoli or Wilt will step in for that one, barring any transfers or freshmen that come in as well. But – I think that the Colonials do have upside. That's the biggest thing going into next season is that there is a lot of upside. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, like you said, you can almost look at it as like a two-year plan now. You know, if things – for Robert Morris next year, make the postseason, fix the things you did wrong. In two years, go dominate the NEC. You have players that will – I mean, you're going to have this huge senior class with some wildly talented players. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. Uh, I – you know what? I If I'm in the area, I'm probably going to come back and Me watch too. a little bit. Well, hey, I have a really good song to close this out on, too. All right. Um, before we do that, um, it's, it's been real. I've had a, I've enjoyed doing this podcast with you, Spencer. Um, I hope that our 
six people that download this every week have enjoyed it as well. A whopping 20 downloads yeah, throughout we've been, the year. We can count on our, both our hands. We can get to 20. So, <laughs> um, unfortunately, we didn't get to sing our song. That's pretty disappointing. We did not. But in honor of uh, Robert Morris beating LIU Brooklyn, um, and as you know, I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. Oh, so boy. Th- th- we're going we're gonna to close out with we a little. Special... Real quick, though, I just want to yeah, we'll, we'll... give a couple shout-outs yeah. here. Just want to thank Logan Carney. For you know, giving Why would us you this give opportunity him that credit, because he—he's the one that came up to us. Was like, do you want to do a volleyball podcast? You're like, right. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even know like it was an interest in it. And All right, I'll thank Logan Carney. It means a lot though from him to Hopefully, ask me that, and yeah. this has been a really fun podcast. Hey man, I'm just saying the podcast wouldn't have been been able to be as successful without you because oh, you're our, you. our resident volleyball expert. Experts a nice way of putting it, but okay. Hey man, uh, you you talking about like zones and positions? I'm like, oh, I've learned stuff on this show. Can you do a slide? Do you know what a slide is in volleyball? Oh, no. No? Ah. I know. I Got just, a lot to learn. <laughs> oh, oh. The sad part was I was the beat writer for the team my freshman year. So that's it. We thank you all for <laughs> tuning in. It's been a good run, and we hope you have a great rest of your year. And we thank you for tuning in to The Dig, the final episode, episode 7. For Sam Anthony, I'm Spencer Witt saying so long, and thank you for tuning in here on RME Radio, your campus, your voice.